tired. So tired. Overtired. Hi, everybody. This is the Overtired Podcast. I am Jeff Severance Gunsel, and I am here with my co-hosts, Brett and Christina. Hi. Hey, hey. And we have an awesome, awesome guest today, one of our favorites to have on, Brian Guffey. Hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> How is good. everybody? That's good. Hello. We're so glad to have you back. <laughs> I'm so glad to be back. It's really. I'm it's glad really to be here with you because I missed you. I missed you last time. Yeah. So. It's really great, yeah, that we all get to be here together. I've been bugging Brett a lot, Jeff, being like, I want to, I want to be on a podcast with Jeff. I want to be on a podcast with Jeff. His <laughs> oh, brain. Shucks. I love his brain. <laughs> I hope it's worth it. <laughs> I'm, listen, your hair already does it for me. Like, I'm so here for your hair. Oh, man. I I love my hair. <laughs> I, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's just very, like, it's very on par with, like, it fits you. I don't. I, here's why I I love my hair because it sounds like a fucking weird thing to say, but um, I haven't had to put a comb through it since like I don't know what because at some point I landed on the like mad professor hair and and I don't have to maintain it, but I kind of I like a little swoosh. There's a lot about about yeah, me I don't love, I but I like my hair. You both have a bit of a Don King thing going on. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is all hiding Brian, behind them. Brian, well, yeah, the, Brian the, just made the, it Don King. Brian, who is actually black, can pull it off better. Brian, but. who is actually becoming Don King before <laughs> us right now. I wish you could see it. Yeah, I was gonna say you, you, this. This is very much um, who who played Don King in the HBO movie? Because like you're totally oh, giving like those vibes right now. Who did? No, I, there was an HBO movie. Was it Idris Elba? It was not. I'm just Elba. kidding. Of course. Did anybody was. else? I'm gonna be. Such a dude in, in the HBO in the in the H not in Ali then. No, it was Don King only in America. It was a 1997 film developed uh, uh, directed by John Hertzfeld and written by Cario Salem. Um, Bing Rames. Yeah, fuck yeah. That was my, actually Fucking who I Bing thought it Rames. was. No, okay, but but I'm sorry. That's who I thought it was, and I was like, I'm gonna say that. And I'm gonna be wrong. <laughs> that's so awesome. Good, 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 good job. I'm like, watch that. I love Bing Rames. Yeah, he's the best. Baby boy. Uh, R.I.P. John Singleton, but like genuinely, like that film, like gets slept on, and that's like one of like the best films. Love John Singleton. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? Can isn't I be? isn't and and Bing Rames is in? He's the one who's in. He is. Yeah, he's the one that's in every Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Yeah. like best friends. Yes, he's like the smart <laughs> one. He's, he's like the one. He's like yeah. he's like he's like no chill, dude. <laughs> what are you uh, doing? So that's good. Awesome. Oh, television. Bernie Mac is was was in this. This is this Bernie is Mac. Oh, Bernie Mac. Did anybody follow the Cat Williams thing? Like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> god, that was a blast. <laughs> that was the best three hours of my life. And now on TikTok, my algorithm is so tweaked <laughs> to Cat Williams because I looked at every response and watched every clip like three times. That now it's like all Cat Williams and monkeys in my TikTok feed. Baby so, monkeys specifically. So, so, so that's a, a very- really hilarious. Pairing, I just want to point out. No, we'll genuinely. It's yin and yang, you know? It, it is. <laughs> j- j- just for, for background for anybody who wants to go down this rabbit hole, because it is delightful. Um, the, the comedian, Cat Williams, who has had problems, um, and and but I used to very much enjoy his stand-up specials, does an absolutely unhinged um, uh, podcast with a – who is it with? Is it with Shannon Sharp, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Uh, I mean, it, all it, I see it, is um, Cat Williams in my head. And and so and it's like it's like over three hours long, and it's it, Saturday Night Live even parodied it, and he like makes the most 
unhinged like declarations about all the people he's ever had beef with and like just makes these like claims that are just provably false. That's the most unhinged, delightful, insane interview you'll ever watch. And then all these people like fact checked him on everything he said. And it's yeah, and the problem is like if anybody else had done that kind of interview, I I would have been like, Ugh, gross, but it is irresistible. It's so good. like the like the extent to which Cat Williams is like, I'm not getting up from this chair. I'm not apologizing. I'm just gonna go deeper and deeper. <laughs> and I think that's partially because like Cat Williams over the past couple of years has sort of been like a truth teller in certain areas about yeah. saying things like calling out Dave Chappelle and some other things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think people were like, oh, we don't expect this wildness from Cat Williams now, but here it is again. He's back. Right. Right. He's back. He's like, he'd had some like incident a number of years ago. I can't remember what it was when he's, when he was having some problems that was like seriously deranged. Um, but yeah, then he was like speaking truth to power and you're like, okay, maybe he's doing well. Okay. Again. And you see this interview and you're like, nope, this is, this is great. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, Shannon Sharp uh, was the one who who, who did the and interview. You're talking about NFL, the NFL Shannon Sharp. Yes, and and, and that's it, even it, more so hilarious. Funny. Shannon Sharp has me, a podcast. Watching yeah. him handle well, that Sharp, was incredible. Yeah, well, okay. Well, Shannon Sharp not only does he have a podcast, he has a very successful ESPN show, and he used to have a show with uh, he was on um, with uh, Skip Bayless on his uh, um, a Fox Sports show, and then they had a very very bitter breakup, and uh, now Shannon Sharp has. Um, a, um, a very popular like ESPN show, but um, apparently it's received 54 million views <laughs> so far. <laughs> and the last thing, I mean, the one thing I want to say about it that was amazing about watching Shannon Sharp is like here, Cat Williams is essentially firing a, a machine gun over just over his shoulder. And you can see him being like, I am not moving into the target. <laughs> like I have to figure out how to both like keep my own integrity in the midst of this and not end up in the line of fire somehow, either now or afterwards. <laughs> All right. Is it okay if I rein this in now? Yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, because we decided this week to do a new format. Um, maybe just this week only, but we'll see how it goes where we're going to start the show with gratitude. Uh, which is usually the final segment on the show where everyone talks about one favorite piece of software or developer for the week. Um, I have mine picked out. Do you guys, are you prepared for this early onslaught of gratitude? Yeah. Jeff, do you are you wanna... suggesting that sometimes we pick our gratitude in the course of recording? I absolutely do. <laughs> yes. I absolutely on... do as well. But no, I, I got one. Wait, did we do? We did. We, we didn't do one last episode, right? Nope, we didn't. We skipped it because okay, cool. it ended up essentially being ChatGPT, and it was still <laughs> yeah. two hours long. Right? No. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't share the one that I had last week um, for 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 this week. So great. I love I love Brad being like it was still two hours long, and I'm like, that's what I loved about it. <laughs> Even though I understand from like the perspective of being in it how hard it can be to go two hours because your brain goes. <laughs> Yeah, yep, for yeah, sure. Definitely. All right. Definitely. Jeff, kick us off. I will I will kick us off, but first I'm going to suggest a, a slight change to our tagline, which can be overtired, tech, mental health, and Cat Williams. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> yes! uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just an option, is all. Um, and honestly, okay, this so, podcast, Cat Williams could also be Brett has a new cat named Williams. Yeah, it could oh, be. That's good. I like that. I like yeah, that. Cat with a K, though. I, do, know, I have a cat that. named Morris. It would fit. Mm, perfect. Good. Oh, now we've got an agency you, you, going. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yes. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um, okay. So mine is actually something that um, that uh, Alex recommended, Alex Cox recommended on the first episode of the year uh, in, in answer to my gratitude then, which was um, Datum. Um, which is a, a great app for sort of just tracking whatever it is you want to track. Um, and they had recommended at the time um, Chronicling, an app by the developer Rebecca Owen. Um, and the first thing I want to say about this app, and then I'll talk about the functionality in a second, but it is so um, it is so incredible to me when you start using an app, you, it's it's beautiful. The UI is intuitive. It it has just the right kind of constraint, right? Like it does some of the things you needed to do right away when you go looking in the settings, but then it doesn't doesn't give a person like me too much opportunity to just fiddle and not actually utilize the app. And it's in regular development and updates and, and meaningful features are added. And it's just a wonderful app. It's chronicling... Um, uh, uh, with a L-I-N-G and not, it's missing. Let's just say it's missing a vowel. That's all I'm going to say. So you go on that little uh, goose chase. Um, but anyway, so it's one of these apps that allows you to say, you know, I want to press a button every time I actually call my father. I want to <laughs> want to press a button um, every time I get an oil change. I want to press a button every time I take a shower. In my case, it was joking with Alex about that on Mastodon, but it's not really a joke. Like it's a good indicator of mental health, right? And, um, and, and, and Rebecca in this app has made that not only very easy to do, but also very beautiful. And there's also just kind of a, the cool thing is you can choose the scope of time in which you're tracking these things. Is it inside of a week, inside of a month, inside of a year? And then next to each thing, each item on your, in, on the home screen is just a, a little chart that just kind of shows a little line for each time inside of a week or a month or a year that you did this thing. And then also tells you how many days it's been since you did the thing. So I happen to know that it's been 37 days since we trimmed our cat's nails. Um, oh, and you. it's been 13 days since, uh, since I got a haircut. Um, and, and what I love about it is it's not, it's not at least the way I'm, it allows you to use it not so much for like habit building. Like I think a lot of those apps, I said this when we were talking to Alex about this kind of app, it's like a lot of those apps are designed in a way that makes sort of a judgment call. Like, you're supposed to decide what you're supposed to do, and then you're rewarded with haptics and, and confetti every time you do it, right? Which feels it's, great. It's prescriptive versus descriptive. Oh, nice. And and what I literally want is to be like, when's the last time I hung out with a friend in person? When's the last time we went out to a restaurant? Like, I actually want to see that stuff, not because I, I feel bad when I see it, but it like it helps me a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I probably should get a haircut or, or whatever it is, you know? Um, haircut's a terrible example. I have so many things I'm tracking in there, but a lot of them are about relationships and, um, and just like well-being, like things that are sort of good indicators. Yeah. Um, it does in some cases encourage me to actually do a thing. Like if I sure. see it's been X number of days since, you know, I took a long walk or something, I'll be like, Oh, I should do that. But it doesn't, it's, I don't know what it is. It's the designer. It's the overall vibe, but it doesn't in any way inspire guilt. It's just yeah. like, well, I just want to know, the, you know, the apps like this that have always worked for me are the ones that are descriptive that just give me the data and let me make my own um, kind of judgments. And yeah. And OK, this worked in this way. I should keep doing this. So I'm going to make, you know, a judgment call based on their description of what I have done. Um, yeah. The ones that are prescriptive, the ones that are like here's my goal. Now I'm going to hold myself to this new year's resolution kind of idea. 
yeah. where I'll just feel guilty when I once again fail to keep them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Uh, and, by, uh, by the way, that is how you spell chronicling. It's not missing a vowel. I wish I could say edit that out, but that's not, that's, that's not what we're going to do. Perfect. Um, I don't know. That's funny. Uh, okay, fine, fine. I didn't finish high school. I mean, I, I work alongside PhDs, you know, like I've seen their spelling errors. Um, Absolutely. And, spelling is not, spelling is not an, an indication. No, like I need the red line, you know, I need the red line. Like, it's fine to show me what's wrong. Um, all right, sorry, Rebecca. You 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 you're also brilliant because you know how chronicling is spelled. I mean, that's incredible. You know how like it's a thing to just remove. Here's the thing. I, I'm not I'm not defensive. I'm a little embarrassed, but like the thing about assuming that there was a vowel missing is that um, that's what all apps are missing. <laughs> sure. And so and I saw that on my chronicling. What I, an interesting way and of spelling. I that. didn't look this up. I'm going for my own innate sense of spelling, so it could turn out. In retrospect, after this episode is out, that someone like Harold comes along and says, actually, it's chronicling. Hi, Harold. And, and I was totally Not. wrong. So last week I called Harold a pedant, a pedant, a pedant, a pedant. Yeah. Gotta person. ask Harold. And, and I, I love that he, he said pedant. Are we, are we getting into uh, like. He, uh, he nope, laughed out ahead. loud. <laughs> he told me it was fine. I told him I was afraid that that, that came across as mean. But he was okay with it. But back to chronicling. This looks good. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, like, uh, certainly uh, 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 something that has to be true for me is that you can you can export your data, right? So you can also export your data. You can pull it into something else you want. And the last thing I'll say about it is, like, that's a good sign. Maybe it's as much about me as anything. But, like, it's almost the end of January. And I started it at the beginning. And I'm still keeping stuff filled on it, which is, like, that's got to be impressive. something to say about the app. So, anyway, that's, that's my thing. Love nice. All right. Nice, Christina. Pick. All right. So my pick is the new version of Prompt, uh, Prompt 3 from um, Panic. Um, I, um, yeah. you know, I don't know. So, and it's interesting. This is a universal app now, so it works on uh, Mac as well as iOS. Um, it is moved to a subscription model. So how you feel about that? Or I think you can buy it one time. And the one-time price is a little bit high. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think it's probably more more than I would spend. I'm going to do the subscription for a year, mostly to support Panic and to see how much I like it. There are a bunch of, at this point, I think, really good SSH clients for iOS. There's um, um, ISH, uh, which is uh, available both from a test flight and um, it's in the App Store. Um, there's um, La Termina from um, uh, yeah, that's uh, one I've M- Miguel de Queza, which I really like a lot. Um, and then there's the things like specifically for for Mosh and and, and whatnot. Um, but uh, but I love the 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 team at Panic. Um, this had been an app Panic uh, prompt to maybe I'm misremembering this, but I thought I remembered at one point that they'd kind of put it in maintenance mode or basically killed it. And so I was glad to see this revived. Uh, and so um, I um. Uh, and I do have to say like the, the intro video and stuff is really good. Um, again, it's interesting that it has the, the Mac client. I don't know how necessary that is when you have terminal just being yeah. completely honest, but, um, you know, I, and, and certainly this is not as good of a terminal terminal emulator as I term it's, it's just not, but I do think that this is, um, a, uh, a good thing for, for, for Mac, uh, or not for Mac for, for iOS, um, and I'm not mad. It now does have Mosh support. 
Um, you can, uh, it has a clips feature, so you can have like your most frequently used commands and text snippets right there. That I think is actually pretty useful. And then of course it works with panic sync, which I like a lot. Um, usually what I, I use these sorts of things for are for like using for, for jump boxes. Um, that's mostly what I use, uh, the, the iOS types of clients for, but, um, anyway, I, um, I, I, this came out, I think it had come out last week when, uh, we were talking, like I was going to make it my pick it. It just come out. I've been playing with it um, a, a little bit. Um, and, and I like it so far. Like I said, I, I don't know if this is going to be something I remain subscribed to all the time, but, um, um, I'm happy to see more apps like this and always happy to see panic have apps so i I gotta look back into mosh like i've been i've been using tmux sessions um and like all of my uh config files when i ssh into a remote host it always loads up a tmux with my last session so before i disconnect from an ssh host i just exit out of tmux and then disconnect and that has given me really stable uh, SSH sessions, but, uh, but I, I remember seeing Mosh and thinking, oh, that might be a great answer and then forgetting about it. So same, same. And so, and I, I do remember from like the prompt two days that that was always like a much requested feature. Sure. Uh, and so, um, I was glad to see that, um, exist. I do have to say, I do like the, the, um, website that they've created for, uh, for prompts. Um, yeah, it's good. Yes. The aesthetic. Yeah, Beautiful. the aesthetic is really good, and the music um, it, when when you install it, uh, if you go through like the trial or whatever, is really good. Also, the the video and stuff that they created, um, I think I think Krista still makes all their videos, is like just fire. So, um, yeah, um, there are at this point, it's a different landscape than when uh, Prompt Two came out. Um, there are a lot of good options for iOS, but um, I'm still gonna make this my my gratitude. I like in, on their website. The sport again. Yeah. Oh. Right. God. Why? Why did they cancel that? I don't remember. I think at the time it was it? too hard to make money off of it, and also like Apple so kind of fucked them. Free. Well, they tried, and then and then you know trying to do kind of like IAP stuff. I think what was hard at the time it would be different now, but at the time this was right when Apple switched the connector type. And so the AV connector from the 30 pin mm. could let you do things mm. that you couldn't do from lightning for a long time. And I think that kind uh, of fucked them. Yeah. And then there were also problems where they had with like certain companies, like if you wanted to put in like API keys and other sorts of things, like Apple really limited what you could do and how, how you could customize those boards. Like it's weird. Like this is a product that I honestly do f- think you're dead on, Brett. Like I think that you could revive this now and you could make it work. Honestly, web technology has gotten good enough that you could just do, you know, like uh, some certain calls, you know, like without yep. having to do things the way they did them now. Like you honestly, you could probably build it out even more as a web thing, but, um, your cable, are you listening? Yeah. Bring it back. There's uh in the like kind of video that's running on the computer on the website, it busts out to a matrix terminal for yep, a second. I love that. Yeah, there are you can install a matrix app through brew. Yeah, like, I, I, I have I have an old bash script that uses T put and a random like a random kernel to put kanji characters on the screen. But yeah, but it's super random and doesn't create those nice falling columns. 
uh, that you get from whatever's on homebrew. I think it's written in Rust. Yeah, uh, it is. I think so. Um, and then there's also a um, um, there's a way that you can get like the sneakers um, effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that's also um, on on GitHub somewhere. I'll, I'll find that because I, I made that like a, a yeah. Like a drop week. that in the show notes. Yeah, I will. Fun. Yeah. Amazing. All right, Brian, what you got? Okay, so it was very difficult. I'm going to do two. And the first one, I'm just going to go super, super I'll basic. I'll allow it. I'm, I'm going to do basic white girl, and it is the Starbucks app. Oh, fuck yeah. I Great app. love. It's such a good app. It is such a good app. And they just yeah. added live activities for your um, for your pickups. If you order. Wait, what's that mean? Live order. activities. Yeah, it, sh- it comes up on the lock screen. And it's an oh, updating, yeah, okay. so it tells you like when your order's ready and it's done being made. Um awesome. and like it's so great. And I just I mean, and I recently I hadn't even realized that they had added like uh Siri shortcut support. So when you search for Starbucks, you can just press to like order your, your regulars and it'll it'll ask Ooh. you like, Hey, is this what you're getting? And then you can tell it yes, and then it's like, Okay, so we have this much money on your card and we're gonna charge it. And it just uh, walks through a shortcut and does the whole thing. You don't even have to open the app to order stuff. I use this. I mean, it's one of my most used apps. Like, mm-hmm. I use that app every single day, almost more than Nathan thinks I should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, it's such, a, it's such a good app. It almost is. Like, there's almost never any issues with it, even though they're running a massive backend web backend. It's almost always up and running. Yep. Like, it's just rock solid. And so, I really love the Starbucks app. To your point about like how long that has been. Um, like it, it's been an app that's been around for a really long time. And I have to give, um, I think the, the Starbucks team immense credit that they have from the very beginning. I remember when that app launched and it was Apple pay didn't exist. Apple wallet didn't exist. And they were already kind of creating a way where you could pay using kind of like the, 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 you know, kind of a, a predecessor of QR codes. And we're really kind of getting into that space where you could make it easy to use. Like they had their own kind of terminals and whatnot. And I have to say, like, of all the various commerce apps, most companies have stopped making native apps and uh, because it just kind of doesn't make sense. I mean, if they have them, they're, you know, like little more than wrappers. But like the Starbucks team has continued to work really hard on that app. And you're right, like for the fact that it is a massive web service on the back end, it's really performant and it works really well. But also, um, I didn't realize that they'd added the... Um, um, live activities feature either but like that's really great and um they're always i think like a really good ios citizen that's all i was gonna say what do you usually order at starbucks oh my (laughs) when when siri suggests an order what does what does siri know you want i normally order these days i order a (laughs) like basically a decaf iced coffee so um okay which is complex sometimes because of what (laughs) they have on they don't make decaf iced coffee so you have to like order what i realized actually was that i was not ordering that for a long time when i was just ordering an iced coffee with decaf espresso shots in it (laughs) i had no (laughs) idea um which is now what i just do um because (laughs) i was supposed to not be drinking caffeine because i was on vivance but surprise my blood pressure has been stable um so, I mean, it's usually an iced coffee with um, far too much, far too much sugar and like far too many caramel sh- like syrup shots um, and caramel sauce shots, and then stevia as if that's going to fix the problem of all the caramel sauce I put in. 
Um, and then also, right, I, I, right, yeah. And then also the Impossible Breakfast Sandwich. I love the Impossible Breakfast Sandwich. Okay. Yeah, awesome. like for me, we have Starbucks here in Little Old Winona, but they don't make great espresso. Um, I make better espresso at home, way oh, yeah. cheaper. And I've never figured out like what what the draw of like intelligent adults is to Starbucks. I um, want to do things. I <laughs> I'd be curious. I'm just curious. Like I I know that a lot of smart people go to Starbucks that that could Ooh, afford smart bucks. Starbucks <laughs> that that I mean, could afford their own could I afford make. their own coffee setups and like cook their own breakfast. But is it a time thing? Is it does it just save yeah. time? Well, the right. food, I love. I mean, their hot food is their sandwiches are actually like pretty banger, and so mm-hmm. and also their pastries like. Yeah. Uh, during the winter, like the gingerbread loaf during the holidays, good. The, the, I don't know what they put in the icing on their on their things, but it's so amazing. It's crap. It's crap. It is crap. I, I I'm really sad that they they discontinued the Thanksgiving turkey sandwich that they used to have. That was also the greatest thing in the world. Oh yeah, um, that was like the Monica sandwich, right? Like I never yeah, had it, absolutely. but but I never had it, but but it, that's what, like what it looked like. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's mostly I love seeing the baristas and saying hello. Even if yeah. it's just through the drive-thru, so there's that part. I, mean, I used to spend a lot of time at the Starbucks um, in Columbus when I lived there. Yeah, and so there's tra- a personal it, connection that makes yeah. sense. Like, and it's also a- that I don't have to make like I forget to make uh, I forget to brew a pot of cold, brew some cold brew, and so I'm there, sure and I have to have it oh, in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I would yeah. never forget that. Um, there's a there's a bar here in town that has a big ceramic pizza oven and. Um, I believe they opened with the intention of being a high-end bar, but also became a pizza place in the process. Oh, cool. And they made a special pizza around Christmas that was essentially just a Neapolitan pizza. And it was, in my opinion, their best pizza. And then it ended. Christmas oh. ended and they stopped serving it. So, like, I went back to the kitchen. I had I had a, a hostess who's who had a boyfriend who worked in the kitchen and, and she was my proxy to say, how can I continue ordering this year round? And we worked out a deal. Like, here's the code word. Here's what you say. Cause it's simple ingredients. It's stuff they always have on hand. It's just off menu. And, and I worked it out and that's why I would go out to a pizza place rather than make my own pizza. Is that kind of like ability to order off menu that the ability to have some kind of personal connection and i just assumed that you would never have that at starbucks well weirdly so for food probably not so much because most of it is prepackaged um and or or pre-made but like for the drinks that is like honestly the whole thing is that it's off menu like you can get it customized however you want um, and that's why I think they make so much money. Now sure, I live okay. in Seattle because so you pay you pay like three times as much for your offer. Yeah. like when you start to customize the additional yeah. shots and everything, the price goes so up. So expensive. This, uh, additional yeah. pumps, which is why like they had to like there was a whole bunch of drama. I remember, uh, God, this was so long ago, but I remember going down this rabbit hole because I loved the drama of people who would like save up coupons and things from their Starbucks stars and like really use it to get like the most ridiculous drink orders they could. Like they would basically find a way to get like $13 drinks. I'm not even joking, um, you know, with like their 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 coupons. And so Starbucks had to kind of like cut down on on how much they were giving out the the bonus points and whatnot. Um, I live in yep. Seattle where there are a ton of Starbucks and we have a thing called the Starbucks Reserve and there aren't many of them in 
the world, but we there is one um, literally like three blocks from my house. Um, and they have like the most expensive type of coffee machines and they do like really high end types of brewing Ooh, and whatnot. Clovers. I bet they have yeah. clovers. Oh, that they yeah, do. Absolutely. They do. And, 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 and it's insane. And like, and, and that's, that, that's a good place to go. We don't have Duncan and that I'm not going to lie. Like I grew up my entire life having access to Duncan at all times. And there are no Duncans in the state of Washington because of the Starbucks mafia. And so, um, uh, because Starbucks started in Seattle. That sounds like a really lame reading group name. It really does. <laughs> like a like a book club. Yeah. We're the Starbucks mafia. Starbucks. Oh um, god, you know you know that you know that some bitches in Bellevue like some like some 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 mom's group have fucking done that or like Woodenville. Uh all the fucking wine moms. But one of them as a as a food blog, hubby's hubby's away this week. There was a there was a <laughs> coffee house in I think it was in St. Paul. Um and their claim to fame was that they had bought three clover machines uh, when they opened, which are like, I think at the time, $20,000 mm-hmm. espresso machines. Yep. And Almost every Starbucks has a clover had, now. Yeah. they had This yeah. place had a small sign and their windows were always steamed. Like you could never see inside the place and you could walk by it and never have any idea it existed. But no, I like the, I would like go the boxing just, gym in my neighborhood. <laughs> I would go there just for their clover machines. Um, that was that was worthwhile to me. So if every so Starbucks has a clover, I might need to check it out again. Yeah. So if you all remember, that was my that was my that was my basic one. So the other one is this app called Ahead. And Ahead is a it's an emotions coach app. So this is a great lead into mental health corner. Yeah. It is. So um it's science backed. Started by, I think, I forget, they're in another country because I met with the found, one of the co-founders just the other day. Um, but I struggle a lot with uh, anger, actually. Um, and I didn't realize it was anger, but like underneath all of the defensiveness and all this other stuff, it's just anger, 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 anger. <laughs> um, and Ahead has been really helpful in teaching me how to be uh, less angry, how to get less defensive, how to reframe the angry thoughts. And it takes you through little bite-sized lessons. It uh, has it like it has you like draw little things on the screen to like commit to doing a thing. Um, it, 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 and then it gives you the opportunity to like record when you got angry or when you had an angry situation and like how it made you feel and like what the underlying feelings were. And so then over time, okay. you start to be able to see like, oh, most of my angry moments come from feeling feeling like misunderstood and then that gives you and then it gives you tactics on like how to address it like if you're about to get angry in a situation before you do like play out the situation in advance so that you can sort of like like pre-feel the regret or like imagine this as a comedy like imagine the situation that you're about to get angry at as a comedy or like or as a kid would see it and it's really funny then uh, like when sometimes when I get into a big argument with Nathan about nothing, like this is a very hilarious if you're on the outside and it is really, really it, the first thing that really helped me get my defensiveness under control. And so I'm just like really a big fan of it. They have, I think, a seven day free trial. Then they will charge you, I think, $60 a year. But like I happily paid it. And I don't normally pay. Uh, All right. like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Ahead. 
Yeah, I found the I found the link. It was hard to track down, but uh, the links in the show notes. Um, I when apps give themselves names that are just words in the English language. <laughs> I know. I leave all the vowels in. For example, marked. Um, <laughs> it uh, <laughs> um, it makes it hard to track them down, but uh, NV Ultra is easy to find anyway. Um, my pick for this week is Loopback from Rogue Amoeba. Um, I honestly could pick all of Rogue Amoeba's act, uh, apps, but uh, specifically Loopback just fascinates me. Rogue Amoeba does black magic, and you know this because <laughs> every time there's an OS update, all their stuff breaks. Um, and the fact that they, within within two weeks of, well, okay, Two weeks before a new OS becomes public, they will come out with new versions of their apps and and they have never failed to get their apps working with a new OS. But the fact that they break every time means they are doing some some deep black magic. And what fascinates me about Loopback, uh, Loopback is the the tagline is cable free audio routing for Mac. Um, and it lets you make these virtual audio devices that can combine different inputs, different outputs, input from different apps, uh, pipe them to here, pipe them to there, and create uh, like a, a literal audio device that you can select from your input or output menu. And Loopback doesn't have to be running anymore once it creates the device. Um, so, for example, I have... Uh, uh, a complete audio six that has six audio inputs. And one of those inputs is from the echo in my office. And that goes into the three, four RCA inputs in my complete audio six. I can then combine that output into almost like a pass through for all of the other audio that comes out of my system. So I can patch my echo and the output from my Echo, which I often use to play Spotify, I can patch that in as if it's just coming from my system, and I and I don't have to I don't even have to select a special audio device. It just acts as a pass through device. Um, and with this device that has six different inputs and my Wave XLR and my uh, 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 Solo Two, um, like I can. I can basically pipe, in my case, eight different inputs to specific places and create single devices that can be used throughout any application. I don't have to be like Audio Hijack does a great job of doing this stuff internally mm -hmm. as long as you're running Audio Hijack. But right. this brings that ability to pipe all your inputs to outputs and create literal OS specific like audio inputs and outputs. And I love it. Yeah. And what's great is that because of, of how it works, um, it, like it'll show up in all of your other apps as like a, a, a you know, a thing that you can choose. Yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah. so you don't have to worry about like if Zoom or Teams, Teams is going to usually be the culprit here. Let's be completely honest, um, you know, or, or, or something else or, or something in a web browser, like you don't have to worry about them supporting some of the features that they may not support you sure. can just choose the the um the group that you've chosen in loopback and it'll just another, act like any other sound source 
another stupid but obvious use for it is you can create a virtual device for so I can take my complete audios, six inputs, two outputs. Um, I can I can create a, a virtual device that acts with that as a pass through and just outputs it directly the way it was. But by using that device, instead of selecting the complete audio as my output, I yep. now suddenly have volume and mute controls that you wouldn't have on an external device like that normally. Um, hmm. So like the system, the mute button uh, on any media keyboard, or if you assign it to, you know, your, your hackable keyboard, uh, your mute button will suddenly work with an audio device that normally wouldn't allow you to mute it. It's <laughs> it's not a cheap app. It's like a hundred dollars for this app, but honestly, I consider it worth it. Yeah, yeah, if you don't need something quite as quite as uh, happy uh, as big as, as loopback, you might be okay with Sound Source, which can do, yeah. do some of that. Um, yeah, this is great. Sound Source, Sound Source is great. At- and if you want to go open source, you could find Soundflower. I don't know if it works anymore. Um, but yeah, like all of these kind of had that kind of patch um, patch mentality. Sound source itself will add, it'll do the mute for an external device. And it will do, uh, I can't remember what they call it, super something. But it will allow you to boost volume on devices that at max volume aren't loud enough, it'll allow you to like 120% your volume. Yeah. Uh, Sound source is also from Rogue Amoeba. And um, I'll be doing a giveaway on that later this year. Um, on Brentrupture.com. So right. sign up for the mailing list, find out all about it. I didn't <laughs> convince them to give away loop back though. What, what I will say for people, if you're interested in some of the Rogue Amoeba apps, like if you think you would get some use out of them, Consider getting their their ultimate podcast bundle, which will basically give you all the apps at once, and um, like that, it, it's it, it'll end up coming in in cheaper. Um, and uh, the the apps are like they wait number of years between updates. So, um, like I I made that I made that outlay you know a number of years ago, and I was like, this this has paid off for me. But yeah, have you have you ever used? Farago or Farago or whatever their soundboard app. I have, but it like not like I thought that I would use it more. Um, and and I think that just whatever my workflow was at the time, I didn't. And now at this point, I feel like the apps that I use where I, that could be useful, like they have their own built-in soundboards. So um, it, it's cool. Again, like what's great about all the Rogue Amoeba stuff is that like it works independently of what app or, or program you're in. Um, and they are one of the only companies that I trust, uh, including Apple to be very, very clear to like actually understand how the Apple audio, um, uh, like sure. APIs work including, and maybe even uh, better than Apple. Yeah. Oh, I think they absolutely understand better than Apple, which is why I was so mad about the way that you have to install, um, some of the, their stuff, um, on, on various. Is that Macs still now. true? Like yeah. you mean with the rebooting and disa- yeah. or like dis- disabling, uh, there um, were, yeah, there was a whole yeah. three step process that involved multiple yeah. reboots and yeah, I, they 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 make it very difficult for you to install their app. Well, yeah, I haven't had to do that now. recently. Just they oh, just put it? they just they just announced um, that they've been working with Apple, and then I think in the latest OS update, it's been changed now that you don't even have to. Um, you don't even have to like put in your password in some cases. Oh, um, 
Yeah, I just I think I heard about this on um upgrade, I think. Okay. Let's see here. Yeah, um, I would hope that's gotten better cuz that was that was some bullshit. No, it was complete bullshit. Yeah, I I didn't know cuz I haven't had to inst- cuz usually it was a one-time thing. So once you got it installed, you didn't mm. have to do it again. Um, but I haven't um I haven't gone through the the process um in a long time. And so um yeah, I, they I don't said know here, about that. But yeah, if they've yeah, gotten rid of that, that, that's even better. Or they're or they're about to sh- I mean, they shipped it. So this was they released this in their um, 2024 status report by Paul on January 9th. And I think uh, what happened was then there was the release of 12.3, is it? Uh, 14.3, 14.3. Mm-hmm. And there was a note that there was like a new permission in 14.3. And Jason put the two together that he thinks that what happened is, so Audio Hijack, basically what the Rogamiba has done here is that they're going to be shipping updates that, Airfoil Audio Hydric and Piezo will feature an installer-free setup that won't even need your uh, administrator password, and Loopback and SoundSource will new a, use a new audio capture plugin called ARK, A-R-K, that won't re- require a single system restart. So I'm not sure maybe it's out completely, but they Jason figured that probably they've been working with um, Apple, and Apple has made some changes around security in terms of what, like, added a new a new category. Okay. So there's like a new entitlement or something. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's, what's going to address the issue. Oh, well that's great. Oh yeah. Screens and system audio recording. It's now called. So they added. Yeah. System. There's a system audio recording only option now in, in 14.3. Oh, nice. Yeah. Can I nerd out for just 30 seconds before we get to Mental Health Corner? Please. I As if nerding out isn't what's been happening right. uh, so to four. <laughs> I, I got a request from a reader uh, of my blog that he, he wanted to figure out when his, when his VPN connection was disconnected. Um, and at that point, did, uh, kill you know, a, a QTorrent. And so I had to look into how, um, and I did ended up diffing uh, IF config output when the VPN was connected versus when it was disconnected, and found out there was a new network interface that showed up in IF config when it was connected. Um, so then I could just run IF config through a grep to see if that device, see if that interface was present, and then I would immediately know if the VPN was connected um, and put that on a one second loop and just have it run until uh, until the VPN is no longer detected and then pass through to a kill all command. Um, so it's like a seven line script that can actually kill kill an app when your VPN connection terminates. It was fun. I'll probably post it on his blog, but I'm I'm asking him for permission to uh, share the script, not like his personal details or anything, but. <laughs> yeah that's 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 the kind of service oh and it was weird because i sent him like an example just like an outline of like how i thought it could work and he came back and he's like the parentheses don't work i'm like the parentheses were the parts where you were supposed to insert the working commands and <laughs> and i realized in the process that he was actually very new to shell scripting 
Um, that sounds a little bit like helping me, Brett. Right, except <laughs> even more intense. I sent him a two-screen-long email this morning detailing why it worked and how and explaining the basics of shell scripting. And that right there is the kind of service I provide. That is, yeah, that's that's very fucking Brett and God bless you. <laughs> God's bless you. <laughs> hey, I learned it the same way. I learned it from people who were like, whether it's on Usenet or or Reddit or in in private forums, like Stack Exchange, you learn this shit from people that can tell you what you're doing wrong yes. and how it should work. And if you don't give back, you're not like that's that cycle has to perpetuate. Like, oh, is that like when you download torrents, but you don't seed them? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or, 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 or when you don't reciprocate head, like that's honestly like, Absolutely. that's a good one. It's, it's all, I think it all falls under the heading of unrequited. Yes. Perhaps. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> Dating back to Shakespearean, Shakespearean works. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, you want to get into a, a mental health corner? Yeah. Sure. I just came up. I just thought of a good pun though for what we were just talking about. Don't be a regex princess. Ooh, that's good. I, is that the show title? <laughs> Maybe that should be. Don't be a regex princess. I like that. Regex princess with Brian Guffey. <laughs> Amazing! Amazing! <gasps> Do we have any volunteers for first mental health corner? We always give the guest the option. Yeah, my mental health is better it's been a difficult few months like my part nathan and i have been coming out of like a difficult stretch i talked about like my defensiveness and like just i can't imagine what it's like to be a non like to be a neurotypical live with a neurodivergent person who also like constantly wants to make everything your fault because they have a lot of their own like trauma um Brett talking about complex, you're, you're talking about complex PTSD and, you know, uh, really, you know, have had that revelation with my therapist and psychiatrist as well. And just how much, one of the things that I continue to sort of be amazed by is how much everything can come back to the trauma that you've experienced and how that shapes the way that your brain ends up working. Mm-hmm. You know, that again, like ADHD and autism and all of these things can be you know both downstream of the trauma that you've experienced because it's shaped your brain in different ways but also Mm -hmm. it can exacerbate those things Mm -hmm. um and the other thing that i've been i've been sort of dealing with a lot is just recognizing how often people will fuck you up without having anything but the best of intentions (laughs) and how and how you sort of have to learn to reconcile that without needing to have them take responsibility for it yeah what did Mer- like, merlin said yeah. last week they're doing the best they can and that's the problem <laughs> yeah exactly yeah absolutely i listened to that episode and like and it was really weird like having the 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 super long mental health corners the the last couple of times plus that i was like wow this is all just sort of coming together at the right time you know and so it's you know also work has just been absolutely like just pouring water over top of you like waterboarding levels of like overwhelming and so i've really had i mean like i was in a meeting earlier this week with my boss and she was like 
she is also, I'm pretty sure, neurodivergent. And, like, it is learning to be a better manager still and is, like, a very good engineer. But that means that, like, sometimes she gets really worked up about things. And, like, when your boss gets worked up about things, like, then you get worked up about things. And there was a moment in which I was just like, I am screaming inside right now. Can we just stop for a moment? Uh, Because, like, I cannot take any more information being thrown at me and be asked to, like, operate. Yeah. And it's been, so it's just been a really intense period. And I'm, like, trying to get out of the house more and do more things. I was down in in L.A. for the weekend. My mom was in town, saw my brother, my sister-in-law, and my nephew, and went out to eat. You know, um, at a restaurant that was mostly outdoors. Uh, if you're in LA, go to the Hatchet Hall. It's a phenomenal restaurant. Um, but it's just been, it's just been like really intense and overwhelming. And, you know, just like, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, does it ever get like really, can, can I get life to be boring again? <laughs> I feel like we've all been going through that for years, right? But now I'm like, and like, but there was a period when like COVID was happening, and I was like, "Well, my life is really boring inside of COVID, and I love it." Yeah, I was at home doing nothing, like same yeah. thing every day. Had the same stuff delivered every two weeks for groceries. It was so awesome. And now people want me to do things again. And now, like now, like all of the stuff that I thought I had figured out, but mostly I was just hiding in my house, which is like fine, except that like my partner does not have the capability to give me the amount of social interaction that I need. Um. Now it's just like all of the other stuff is coming on top of it and COVID is still going on to some degree. Like, so it's just like very, very exhausting right now. I relate to this. I relate to this inclination to not do anything or to have things be the same every day. Um, That is where I feel the most comfortable. But in the times I am kind of forced or, you know, by circumstance, I end up doing things outside of my comfort zone. I usually end up feeling a sense of um, accomplishment and satisfaction. Do you find like being forced to do things to actually be maybe good? Yes, I do. Like it it is, it is the struggle is that this, the amount of time that's available, right? Like the other things, doing the other things is great, but like, I'm not yet getting to choose to not do other things, you know? So there's just not enough time at all at the moment. And, you know, it doesn't, I I love them. They are like one of the greatest joys of my life, but having nine dogs um, (laughs) is, you know, and particularly like the, the process of dog training right now, which is two nights a week for like three hours each night. Yeah, That sounds insane. It's just like, so much it's so much fun hold on pause mental health oh corner. you didn't know nine dogs are you catholic <laughs> no. <laughs> that's no. i love it we had range zero. of sizes or are they all one breed? they're all they're so they're all dachshund mixes um they're all except one from the same bloodline and family and we have we have mom um and all but three of them came into our lives on february 24th last year because Whoa. they were born in my in our in my partner's bedroom oh right because they were a litter of six basically yeah exactly i guess they do come in numbers don't they 
you really have do. You and then we just decided spayed. to keep going. Have you spayed yet? Yeah, everybody's spayed and neutered. Okay. Now. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, so remind me, I can't remember, is your partner neurodivergent? So according to according to the tests, no. Okay. So you but are actually in a, a weird yeah. coupling. Yeah, but he's also like... So I think people who are very, very, very highly intelligent exhibit their own types of what we, what you like of non-normative engagement. Uh, For example, Nathan doesn't really forget anything ever. (laughs) Um, And he knows something about almost everything. Sure. So like, you're not normally in a relationship with somebody who's basically never wrong. I think I, everyone's in I, yeah. a relationship with someone who thinks they're never. Yeah, yeah, I was totally, say. yeah, totally, hundred percent. Yeah, no, this is, but the, but the problem has been that I have discovered, like, he's actually because he, he 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 does not say that he knows something unless he actually knows it, which is so foreign to me as an ADHD <laughs> person who spent so much time in my life just sure. being like, yeah, I know that because I didn't want right. to look like I didn't know something because right. I didn't sure. remember it. Totally. <laughs> I uh, yeah. my my partner. Um, at, when we started our relationship, they thought they were neurotypical. And for the first five years of our relationship, uh, we operated under the assumption that I was ADHD and bipolar and they were normal. Um, and it wasn't until they got on a curve, they got their (laughs) diagnosis autistic that we suddenly realized, oh, we're both neurodivergent in, in pretty drastic ways. And it changed it, like we had been working out ways to deal with my shit um, without realizing we also needed to figure out ways for me to deal with their stuff. Right. Um, and, and that was a big turning point. But, uh, but if I, like I was journaling last night that if there was one gift I could give to L that would actually matter, it would be a shorter memory. Um, because I can go into any conflict fresh. Like this is, this is a new thing that we have to discuss. I don't have a history for this. I don't have a list of complaints. I don't have a list of grievances to bring to the table here. I'm just, I have a, I have a very short memory. I have an ADHD memory. I exist in the moment and I feel like I can deal with a problem in the moment, but as soon as I'm hit with this backlog of data, Right. That I can't prove or disprove. I could be easily gaslit. Totally. Uh, and as soon as I'm hit with that, I'm I have to shut down. I have no, no I, I no, I I'm I'm in a similar sort of thing and I have a memory like a steel trap. However, there are some things that you just you don't remember every s- sort of, you know, nuance, everything you ever said, everything you've ever done. Like I might know ridiculous factoids and have like a photograph a photographic memory for things that I've I've read um and and you know seen or whatever, but I don't necessarily remember everything I've ever said in person or, or whatnot. I might remember, like, I might make a quip on this podcast that in 30 minutes, I might not be like, Oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, what did I say? You know? Um, and, and, and I think you're right, Brett, like it is one of those things where I'm similar to you in that even though I have a decent memory, I don't hold on to, I don't want to say grudges because I think that's too simplistic, but like I try to start fresh and I try to not let stuff linger um, unless it's had a real impact on me, in which case that's a sign that I should have like a deeper conversation with someone and, and I try not to let it fester. Right. But 
I I run into that this problem with with the with my partner where like he will remember things very deeply and I don't have a to your point like I don't always have a good way of knowing okay is this accurate or is this not because sometimes I'm like I don't think this is like your memory of this is different <laughs> than mine and but but like there's there's no way to prove it you know yeah yeah, yeah. I've had this without, experience without a list of data yeah right. right well I've had this experience with Nathan I mean you know so we've been going to couples therapy and we're going to couples therapy with my therapist. And it was very funny because Nathan was like, I I was worried that if we went to couples therapy with my therapist, that like my therapist would like be too hard on or Nathan would feel like my therapist was too hard on him. But no, instead, like my therapist was like, no, like normally she's like, it's your, it's, it's your, you're the, you're the problem here, Brian. Mm -hmm. Or like, it's your problem. That's it's like your, your shit that's causing the problem. But a couple of things that have happened is that, is that one, one of the things that I've had to learn because my brain is so associative um, as an ADHD person, like it is not, you, you all know this, it's not linear. It's somebody says something that makes you think of something else, mm-hmm. which means we are having a conversation about something that I did, right? And it makes me remember the time Nathan did something kind of like it. And I want to talk about why are these two things different or you shouldn't have done that. And I've had to learn really, really, like really deeply. We are talking about me right now. Right. And the problem is, is that I'm, again, because of the forgetfulness, I worry that if I don't bring it up now, I won't get to. And there's this feeling that, again, like I'm going to be taken advantage of, but he is, and this is the part that I've had to learn because I think a lot of us have had the experience of being gaslit and taken advantage mm-hmm. of a lot. And so we we jump on things when they happen immediately because we don't want to lose them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've had to really realize he is not everybody else in my life. He's not all of those other people that I didn't know as well who took advantage of me or hurt me. Right. Like we actually have a saying that it's, it's been this idea to like really radically reframe things so that I didn't start. And honestly, I have admitted now that like some of this came from being so obsessed with social media for me and using like Twitter so much is that I got into the habit of responding to everything with a, but what about this? Or no, what it could, it should like, it was automatically adversarial the way that I would engage. Mm. Um, and in fact, when I started not using Twitter as much, I started having more arguments with Nathan. And my therapist was <laughs> like, I'm pretty back, sure this is because we're not fighting with people. Exactly. Yeah. And so we actually do this thing now. I actually have on my home screen, it's a picture of Nathan and then a, a piece of text that I put on there using like Canva. That's just basically like, remember, Nathan is always right. And <laughs> But some people got very worried in my life. Like, that's very scary. Why would you ever say that? Like, why would you say that your partner is always right? And I had to clarify with them that what that means Sounds like is, something done under duress. Right. But, like, the idea here, but the problem was, was that I was always getting into arguments with him and then having to come back and apologize because I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but because, yeah. Because your brain makes, like, when you feel something strongly, when you feel righteous anger, you yeah. think, how could I be wrong? How could I right. be wrong? Uh, and we well, don't realize how much of an unreliable narrator our brain is. It's super helpful to yes. have that framing. If you go into the conversation, assuming the other person is right and being willing to look at how you might be wrong, it doesn't yeah. mean you're conceding the argument. Right. You're able to take a different look at it. The one thing yes. I've learned recently with L is if I can present, if I'm feeling hurt, if I'm feeling offended by something, um, if I can, instead of saying you offended me, 
if I can come at it and say, I feel offended and then think about here's why, here's how that hit me. Here's what that indicates within me. We can have a long, deep conversation. But if I come right out the gate and I'm like, you're wrong, you hurt me, you did this incorrectly. Uh, it's a totally different conversation that shuts down very quickly. For me with Nathan, it is that he does not have a problem. This is He's a scientist. And it, it, sometimes it's very frustrating he's a scientist. I'm not allowed to use the word research in this household um, <laughs> because research means something very specific. Sure. Same as and theory so, and hypothesis. Yes. You can right. just say, educate yourself, man. Right, like exactly. The, uh, he's like, like or, 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 do, or, you know, or, or do some Googling. <laughs> you know, read, right. read some articles, learn some things. Um, but uh, he he is more than happy to admit that he's when he's wrong, like annoyingly so. Also, like even and I have had and it's been a combination of this plus a deep need for people to not be mad at me, and so some some yeah. some real codependence that I was often confusing feeling upset or angry with the actions that I took when I was upset or angry or how I engaged with him because I would watch him get upset and angry, but then also be like, I'll take your feedback. or I'll think about that. And I'd be like, but you got upset or angry. We're not supposed to do that. <laughs> and my therapist, it happened in like in real time in one of them. She's like, no, the difference is he got upset. You could see it on his face. And then, and then he also still responded appropriately. And the difference is you get upset and then you try to make it his fault. <laughs> do you find a sense of relief when you do admit you're wrong? Yeah. Cause I have this instinct to, to argue for whatever I've stated, even if I don't fully believe it or can't fully back it up. Like I feel this, this, uh, to be, to be wrong is to be bad. Right. For me. Exactly. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. but the moment I can say, you know what, like given this new information, given, this data that I was incapable of gathering myself, I can see, I can see that I was wrong. And there's this sense of relief that comes with it to just, to be able to say, yeah, no, I was wrong coming into this. You were right. And it just feels like smoothing out all these waves of like emotion that I had. There was not a lot of space. And I think Brett, you can probably relate to this. There's not a lot of space growing up for me to be wrong. Yeah. For me to make mistakes. And it was uh, a combination of, uh, I don't think my mom, my mom always tells a story about how when she started school, which was right after Brown versus Board of Education, her parents said to her, don't do anything that will make these white people think you're less than them. Hmm. And she has always been an overachiever. Also, uh, mm -hmm. pretty certain she has ADHD. She's actually finally going to talk to her doctor about it at 71. I'm so proud of her. And I'm pretty sure she's autistic too, because this stuff runs in the family. Mm -hmm. um, but and so, and she she was one of the like I learned to get over things emotionally, or at least act like I was over them. Maybe it was part of the ADHD. And then I would go to her, and she would not be ready to like talk to me yet. She, She'd still she be, be upset. Ready. Yeah, she she still needed right. To process and so, it. right. And so I was like, well, that that means that I've like, I've done something bad, you know, like, mm -hmm. and so I, and also my parents were always very confused about how I could be so smart and still like make mistakes. And then they thought once they put me on medication that that would solve everything. Cause at the time that's all they knew. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And it did not. And so uh, learning that it is like, I still struggle with being able to recognize that like making what, what happens is I'm constantly trying to recover from the mistake that I've made by not like by not making another mistake, but in the, in the process of doing so, I keep making more mistakes Sure. because Nathan's like, stop apologizing a hundred times because all you keep doing is bringing it back up. And I'm just trying to like, I'll forget about it in 30 minutes if you leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm over here still obsessing over it because I made a mistake and it's a, the perfectionism of yeah. all of us, of trauma survivors, you know? And yeah, I mean, I can, I'm, I'm wired in such a way that like when I, you had said to be wrong is to be bad, right? Yep. Like, even though I have watched people in my life fuck up over and over and I've, they've never almost lost me. I assume right. that the fuck ups pile up and when we get the four or five, it's right. over. <laughs> yeah. Never happens to always, me. And then somebody's but, always hiding something and they're not telling you all the reasons of the way that they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Surprise you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Surprise. Oh my God. You should thing, read right? my journal for the last week. Yeah. 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 So it, yes. he actually has a live journal page. You can read his journal there. <laughs> oh, I missed my live journal. journal. It's all Me written too. in Russian, but I was flame. I, I, my, 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 my handle was flame and ice. And I, uh, it was a picture of Emmett Honeycutt <laughs> from, from a queers folk. Yes. Which, which, oh which is the perfect live journal, like, like show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> My username it would be fairly easy to figure out. Um, let's just – I don't need to go further than that uh, because some of the stuff might still be there. Who fucking knows? Um, I have a yeah. guess. I have a guess, but it sounds like you don't want us to guess. Oh, no. I mean, it, it, it'd be completely we obvious. Can bleep. We can bleep in I'm, this thing, I'm, can't I'm we? I'm doing a Google right now. <laughs> oh, no, you can't Google. Um, That's the great thing. It's not indexed. Oh, Nice. Yeah, that this Lucky was the thing. Almost everybody on planet Earth with a computer in those years. Well, no, well, that was a de- that was a decision that that Brad made like very like deliberately. It wasn't um, a, an accident. He made the decision to not index the stuff unless you purposely opted in. You had to go into your oh. settings and opt in to be Google indexed because he understood because he was in college when he started this thing as a way to talk with his high school friends, and then it blew into this like many million user service that like had to have an invite system um, uh, for many years to scale that he was like, this is shit that people aren't going to want people to find. And so by default, it's not indexed. By today's standards, that's highly unusual, but also a smart, like admirable move. Well, that's because this is why Brad, I I think he should be so much richer than he is because he created these underpinnings for what the whole modern web runs on. And I asked him once, I was like, do you ever get mad that like, Mark Zuckerberg, Matt Mullenweg, like all these people have like, uh, you know, David Karp, all these people have made, you know, money essentially using a lot of the software you've built. And he's like, if it wasn't me, it would have been someone else. And A, I don't think that's necessarily true. But B, just the fact that like that's his attitude is like why he's like one of the like best people that like I can call my internet friend for the last, you know, two decades. Well, and we've met in person too, but like, you know, I've sure. literally known, known him for, for decades and um, that's why LiveJournal will always have my heart, but that's my slash rant. Sorry. Didn't mean to like. That's cool. Notice. That's awesome. Um, I think we should let Jeff go because I don't know what his schedule yes. here is. Me, to let Jeff well, I actually have a good um, bridge here to, to mine. Um, LiveJournal. Back in the back in the day, I remember I went into the Punk Planet offices one day, Fuck which yeah. was just two people. 
Um, and, and Dan who, who had created it was the editor brought me over to his computer. He's like, check this out. And he, a friend had given him a URL that would allow you to look at, um, all of the live journal images uh, that have been updated in the last whatever amount of time. And so anytime you could refresh that and you'd be looking at like 40 live journal images from the full spectrum of live journal, right? Probably some ethical issues, but oh my God, was it the most amazing it's like when you have you ever have you ever just sat and scrolled through like TikTok lives and just been like, this is all of the kinds of people, right? Like <laughs> that's what it felt like. And I had a curated list. Uh, I mean, a curated folder of all those of my favorites of those photos that just like had that same feeling of like I'm looking across ways of living, you know, and being and whatever. Um, as I describe it, I realize it's a little problematic, but um <laughs> Let's let's and, and if I, I I could be challenged on that, but I don't do it anymore. I'm, this was twenty years ago, and and I was fascinated by seeing the world. Um, so I'm sorry, everybody, if it feels wrong. <laughs> I'm happy to admit it. Uh, but anyway, that was also just a weird that time of the internet thing that something like that would even exist, right? Like yeah, that you could totally. even kind of do that. I mean, you could scrape it, obviously, but this was not. This was like you could hit a URL and be like, "Here are the last hundred images posted on Live Journal." No, um, which is which is amazing. I mean, at a certain point, like that, very quickly, like got out of scale. But yeah, like that. That's it's crazy how um, fast things move to the point where, like, I remember when when Twitter. Um, I, I know Brett remembers this, Brian. I don't know if you do or not. Um, and Jeff, I'm not sure about you, but I remember like the first probably you know year or so, like there was the live feed of Twitter that you could just look at. You could like literally just go to twitter.com and you would see the entire fire hose of every tweet that uh, was being sent on the network. Mm-hmm. Like wow. that's how I, that's how I discovered, <laughs> that's how I got a following. That's how I discovered like people is I would just like randomly reply to people and you would just have random combos with people and you know, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So only slightly related, but it is an okay bridge. Um, this is actually a, a, a rare <laughs> mental health corner where I'm just focused on something that gives me like quiet joy, Love it. Um, which obviously is, is key with mental health. Um, so a long time ago, I don't have a great memory. That's a theme today. Um, mm-hmm. But I have a lot of stories in my life that I want to remember that just make me smile. Um, and, uh, and, and as an example, um, I'll tell one in a second, but it, this whole thing stems out of a... Um, out of a writing exercise I invented for myself some years ago where I decided to focus on like, you know, my band probably did like six tours in, in the late nineties, but they were like really formative experiences and, and things happened on those tours. that I never want to forget. A lot of them are just dinner party stories anyhow, but, but I just don't want to forget them. So I decided I'm going to sit down every day for like 20 minutes. I'm going to write postcards from these moments, essentially. Right. Like I'm going to write them short. It's going to be as if I was writing a postcard and it's going to tell this story, just like the, the basic details of the story. Um, and, and I have one of those <clears throat> right now, which I want to share. And then I want to tell you what I'm doing with them. That's giving me quiet joy. Uh, so, I only just remember this cause I'm watching the show, the offer, the, which is about oh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's great. It's irresistible. I mean, like there's times when you're like, oh, this isn't like the best TV show in the world, but it's freaking irresistible, especially as a fan of the movie. Absolutely. Like, it's candy. Um, so Colin Hanks is in that movie, um, which is what made me think of this. So I was at a show and um, this is actually a reunion show 10 years ago. So it's not even on tour. And um, and and I'm, I'm backstage after the tour. I'm just like after the show, I'm super sweaty. I'm sitting on a chair. My friend brings down this guy and goes... Hey everybody, this is my friend Colin. 
And uh, and he looks at me and, he, and and my friend looks at me and says, "You guys are Colin's new favorite band." And I look at Colin, who I do not recognize, and I say, "Come sit in my lap." <laughs> and, and so he comes over, sits in my lap. A photo's taken that I never got. He gets up. Whatever the night goes on, I find out the next day it's Colin Hanks. And I'm like, and I, you know how those things are. It's like you kind of can't ask for the photo. Like you know, his friend took the photo, and probably his friend would feel weird about giving. Even though friend was my friend, uh, I never asked for the photo. Didn't want to seem too needy, um, and so I don't have it. Okay, so when you don't have an image of a thing, right? Like um, it's kind of you know one thing that that I've experienced with trauma, and we probably all have, is that traumatic incidents can exist as frozen photographs, essentially frozen moments that Mm -hmm. won't unfreeze for no matter how hard you try or wish them to, which is where therapy obviously comes in. Definitely for me where EMDR comes in, my cat's complaining. Um, (laughs) But I wanted to create, so I decided I'm going to plug these little postcard stories into Dolly um, and have it create just completely fucked up fake (laughs) memory images of these moments. So I'd be like, create me a postcard image of this thing. Now, in, the, in this case, the best it could do was give me a picture of Tom Hanks sitting in Tom Hanks's lap. Um, <laughs> no matter how hard I tried, I love this. So that's much. all I would get. But that was, but that was great. But I've also, so I've been putting them in, and it shoots back these pictures that are so wrong. And something about engaging with the story itself, and then and then almost cartoonizing them because they are stories I love. I'm not putting hard stories in there, right? Right. It's just like it's been a way to connect with moments in my life that I, I love, or even in this case, I'm kind of proud of. I'm proud that my reaction was come sit in my lap. I am right? too. Like, well, and yeah, I love that Colin is... Hanks sat in my sweaty ass lap and you without weren't even hesitation. Drunk. You weren't even drunk, drunk, but also- I know no, you weren't drunk. No one was drunk. Also, also <laughs> like you, like your band was like Colin Hanks's favorite band. Like what the fuck? That night, yeah, I'll take it. I'll That's take amazing. it. <laughs> so um, another one I did that was just so, so delightful is like I started plugging in dreams. So I've, I've had nightmare problems forever, but I also have the most delightful, absurd dreams. And there was a dream once where I was driving a blue Cadillac convertible in an orange jumpsuit, not like a prisoner jumpsuit, but like a like a 70s fly jumpsuit. And I crashed through the fence of a monkey farm. I crashed through the fence of a monkey farm and the monkeys were so excited to meet me. So I, I decided to put this in. And the thing that was hilarious is that I had to keep reprompting with this one prompt, make the monkeys even more happy to see me. <laughs> <laughs> But anyhow, the, this this was like I said, kind of like these are quiet moments of joy. There are these great things where it's like these these small little joy torpedoes, and they just happen with me quietly with my laptop on my couch and these little memories. And it's it's so much it, it's so interesting because like I feel like the way we share these things over time is obviously with people. Mm-hmm. And the older you get, the more the people in your life have already heard those fucking stories, right? right. Um, and so, but you still want to interact with those stories. They're memories that like do something for you, right? And so this has just been an amazing way to just interact with the parts of my life that delight me um, and uh, and have it just be me and, and but still have something reflect it back at me. Just like someone reacting to your story, you know? So that's been really nice for me and what has been like a like you, Brian, just a tough ass work week or a couple of weeks. But. I think I have I think I have two questions and they're actually for Jeff. Um okay. first, have you seen Life in Pieces? No. Oh, amazing show with Colin Hanks. Uh awesome. second, <laughs> have you seen the meme where they ask Dolly to make John baptizing Jesus but happier? And they have these two white no, guys, two white guys in a river and robes, just 
yucking it up, just laughing and dunking <laughs> each other. It's and Amazing. they're very they are very white. Notably, John and Jesus are both very white in Dolly's recreation of of course John baptizing Jesus. Although something crazy happened, totally against their racist algorithm, which is that the very first thing I put in was this story where we were playing in Houston. And at the beginning of the show, I hate Houston. I mean, I don't hate it in a kind of way that I'm damning a city, but I, I never liked playing Houston. Um, it could, we were on this label, Amphetamine Reptile Records, and it was just meatheads that came out to those shows, basically, right? Like, we weren't really, it wasn't our thing, but like, whatever. So this is like, when you go to Texas on that label, you really get, can get a lot of meatheads. So no offense, Texas, or, but if you're a fan and you went to an AMREP band show, you know it's true. Um, so anyway, yeah, beginning yeah. of the show, I'm already feeling angsty. There's a street sign behind me, you know, how they used to decorate the clubs back in the day. I reach back with my sticks to do some big, like crashing thing. And I slice my finger open on the sign and I'm bleeding everywhere. I was a little bit known for always bleeding. I was like Gigi <laughs> Allen, but I didn't mean to be bleeding. Um, and so I was always like my, my drum heads had blood on them, my sticks, but I was really bleeding. And by the end of the show, I was just, I don't know. It was like in a, a young person angsty moment where I like, I didn't even like playing for these people. And, and I didn't like how they looked at me and I just didn't like it. Right. And so at the end of the show, as the, my two bandmates were just making noise, um, I got onto a road case I had that had wheels and I, I, I surfed through the crowd, throwing my bloody sticks <laughs> kind of hard, like in a way that I don't feel good about now. And, and as soon as the show was over and the lights came up and, and all of a sudden the magic's over, right? You're not, you can't be in that character anymore. I realized like I had just thrown the last of my sticks and I had no money. And so I started looking around for the sticks and I, and I see three of them next to a dude whose back is to me at the bar, who is a very big, strong man. And and I don't know if he kept those as evidence of someone her, almost hurting people or what, but I go over and I tap him on the shoulder. These are desperate times. And I, and I go, hey, excuse me, those are my drumsticks. Is there any chance I could get him back? And he turns around, looks at me and goes, you guys were fucking awesome. <laughs> so I plug this in a version of this into the thing and it makes me a black drummer. <laughs> with blood dripping off my hands, <laughs> albeit. But like, I was like, whoa, <laughs> like I normally actually will just say, as is my habit, anyhow, if I'm describing myself to people that don't know me, I'm like a six foot four white guy. Cause right, like white people don't do that. They're just like, oh, I'm wearing a striped shirt. It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess uh, this is a test. I'm assuming you're white. Like it just, it's a fucked up test of your brain sure. if you're a white person, right? Like I'm probably like all around. But, but I was would, like, it was trained on death and bad it was, brains. It so was what are you going to get? Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time I ever tried it. And I was like, they made me a black drummer. And then I had to write the really funny sentence of like, yes, but I'm white. Cause like, I don't, it's, it's like, okay, I love this, but it's like, I feel a little weird holding it. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, that's great. That's stories. amazing. That's so um, good. <laughs> mine, mine can tie into multiple themes. Do you mind if I go next, Chris? No, please, please. Um, so I, okay, um, I, back in, I don't even remember what year, but about 10 years ago, I lost a couple terabytes of photos um, and history. Fuck you, Drobo. Um, yeah, for fucking real. Fuck What'd them. you call me? <laughs> and, um, and it like just gone because I had trusted a backup system that was not to be trusted. Mm. Um, 
So what I have left from those years exists in what I did upload to Flickr, what I did post to my blog, mm-hmm. um, what I did, what I did make available online because I had no local copies of these memories right. left. And I was going through old YouTube videos today and I found one. It was it's a company called Pummel Vision. It was an app that is gone now. Uh, if you try to go to their site, you get like a weird Apache error message. Um or Nginx, I what whatever it uh it it it's gone now. But what it does is take all of your, I think it was from Flickr, um, and it takes all of your photos and puts them up like two photos per second in this barrage of years worth of photos in like two minutes. And it sounds dizzying. Yeah, it's it pummels you with these memories. And it was crazy because I did not have I had completely forgotten about all of this because it it makes me realize exactly how bad my memory is. Um, If I don't have photographs, if I don't have photographic evidence or a blog post that something happened, then it may as well have never happened as far as I'm concerned. Um, which is why I'm pretty religious about taking photos and backing them up and uploading to Flickr and blogging, yeah. blogging about things I learned because I will forget a year later. I will I will search for the solution to a problem, find my own blog and realize I have already solved this. I have already done this. And this happens to me, I want to say, you know, infrequently but it it's like once a month i find out i've already solved the problem and they've blogged about <laughs> it and other people have linked to it and i had forgotten about it but this this pummel vision and then looking back through old flicker photos and like realizing that that segment of my life it was about a two-year span uh, that i had thought I had no memory of, but I did actually have online traces of and honestly it makes me really thankful for things like Flickr, for things mm-hmm. like LiveJournal, for, well, I mean, well, yeah. if, if LiveJournal were backed up, things like my blog, for things, uh, these these external, we'll say cloud-based mm-hmm. versions of our life, that they're curated. They're what we want to remember. They're not necessarily indicative of reality or what really happened, but they are the things that for ADHD people we would forget we would not like they would be lost to time were it not for these services. And that has made me it's, it's been a fascinating journey. And actually after watching that pummel vision, I reconnected with a couple of friends that I had forgotten even existed. And I'm like, Oh my God, I actually had like a real connection with this person at one time. They were important to me. We took them into our home. We gave them shelter um when mm. when things were bad and i had forgotten about them entirely and it made me reach out and and reconnect and that was that was i don't know man it makes me realize how bad my memory really is but the other meaningful thing i don't like i find i found an ifs therapist um i have my first meeting with Internal them family systems correct um i have my first meeting with them on uh tuesday Uh, It's just a 15 minute, like, let's find out about each other and see if we want to do this thing. Uh, But I might get to move forward with IFS, which I've decided, even though I'm 
super skeptical about the whole thing. Like I've read the books and I really think if there's a way through CPTSD for me, it's going to be through IFS. Um, so I am excited to have finally gotten off a wait list and gotten in to see somebody. But um, the most meaningful thing I learned in the last week was, so anyone who's grown up in an evangelical or Baptist type of, of setting um, has experienced the idea of witnessing where you are expected to share uh, the message of Jesus Christ with your friends. Um, and in your daily life, you're expected to uh, convert your friends. And this, re- this leads to alienation. This leads to um, arguments and rarely does it lead to anyone coming to join your church. Um, and it was always this thing that I, I felt super embarrassed to do, but like, I felt this compulsion, like this, like requirement that I do this if I were going to be part of the church. Um, and what I learned was that this is actually a technique used in psychological manipulation, where you send somebody out to be specifically rejected by the outgroup so that they can return to the mm-hmm. in-group and be lauded and comforted and told Uh-oh. you did great. They, they are, they are others. It further others, the outgroup and makes you feel connected to the in-group. And it gives you this uh, sense that everything outside is dangerous. And, um, and this was absolutely the case for me. And uh, and it was the the basic like tenets that I was taught of like questioning reality, of loving unconditionally, of accepting strangers that weren't truly practiced by the church. But those concepts, when applied about the church, actually got me out of the church and moved me on yeah. to like a better place in my life. So like, I can't, they, they taught me some good things. Uh, but this idea that witnessing was, was psychological manipulation of the parishioner, not of the out outer, you know, sources, um, that was actually really, it was fascinating to me and helped me put a lot of that in perspective. That's cool. I I would, I would love to talk to you like on a different venue sometime about like, how you got like what what the catalyst was um because you just talked about it a little bit but like what the catalyst was for you like stopping being a believer like like what got you questioning your faith and like moving away from the church because you did that as a teenager um and and then like had a pretty radically different life um uh, <laughs> from like how what you'd been raised and kind of expected to have and it seems like it happened pretty quickly i'd love to um well but, but i can it, summarize it like basically i i Enough people contradicted the things I was told to tell them. Right. And eventually I was like, wait, so the majority of the world sees the majority of the world believes evolution is real. Right. Can the majority of the world actually be wrong? Which led me to do my own independent research Got it. and decide, holy shit. No, there's so much evidence for this thing that my church eschews that. I think my church might be wrong. And that led to more and more questioning Mm. and more and more kind of deconverting. Like they didn't call it that then. 
Um, right. This is back in like 92 through 96 that I kind of went through this deconversion process, um, but just like led to question things in a way that I literally, I had been taught to question everything the world told me. Um, okay. But which, I which, just, I but, but, redirected it and to, right. and questioned the church. Okay. Well, see, that makes more sense then that you were taught to question things, but you were taught to question the outside world, not anything else. I, I was taught that, that there was this core, simple truth and anything that disagreed with it had to be questioned. Got it. So it's it's so interesting to me talking with people who, you know, um, uh, their religion changes or how they, you know, deal with faith or anything like that changes. Um, because I think for most of us, it does usually follow a pattern where it's it's usually we're teenagers and and we have these kind of moments of of reflection where like, okay, this thing that I was taught, this thing I was told is not true or doesn't feel true to me anymore. And now I'm having to question my entire belief system and like reevaluate yeah. that. Um, for me, it's, it's a little bit different because I didn't have the same, I, I was raised religious, but not in a way where like the outside world is lying to you. And, um, this is the only way to be like, I, I think that I have to be honest, like all things considered fairly healthy in terms of like, you know, cause my mom is, is a very religious person and it's a very pure thing and it's a very real thing to her. Um, but it's not like a thing where there's judgment on others. It's a very personal thing to her. And so my faith was always very personal to me. And then it was a personal thing where I was like, I started questioning stuff and I went, okay, I'm, I, I, a, I have questions about, you know, some of the uh, historical accuracies and whatnot because of the, the, <laughs> the data and the proof that's there where I can go, oh, I know that these books weren't, weren't written or were, were changed and how these things are translated or is fucked up. But the bigger thing for me was putting that aside was like, I'm not getting out of this what I'm supposed to be. This is supposed to be offering me comfort and it's not. And then that led to like a much larger existential crisis, but I digress. Uh, but, but um, like, um, yeah. but, but the reason I, I like asked though, is just because I think it is so interesting that we have like a nation really of a lot of people who were raised up to a certain point to have one belief system and then were changed. But even when we change our belief system, we can't escape you know, that yeah. like formative stuff. And it's, it's, it's yeah. fucked. Like, I think that I, I don't want to be a person who is, is like unilaterally shitting on religion because I think for a lot of people, it does offer a lot of good. And I think that there's value in that, even if it's not something that I get from an organized structured thing. But I do think that we as a society don't investigate enough how much damage is done by these, have by I, these groups. Have I already talked about this concept of God's love before? I don't think like, so. This just that was struck the good me. News. This <laughs> this just struck me in the last uh, last month or so that I would hear. There's this song by Joseph Arthur. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but there's this line that's repeated: "May God's love be with you." In the sun, the song, yeah. in the sun, yes, yeah. in the sun yes. by Joseph Arthur, and and I listen to it, and when he sings it, I I remember that feeling I used to get when I was part of the church of being loved by God before it became nothing but judgmental, uh, before it began feeling like I, like I was going to hell, uh, that who I was was going to send me to hell. This feeling of this all-encompassing, it's just love, right? And, and you attribute it to whatever deity 
you were taught to attribute it to, but I think it's a feeling that any human can experience in any context. Totally. And I think it's a feeling for those of us who had to uh, force ourselves out of religion, who had to literally pry ourselves out of it. And we developed this idea that all religion is bad mm-hmm. and that like the entire concept of a God is, is Wrong. detrimental. Yeah. And, and we can no longer access this feeling because it feels like it's related to religion. It feels like something religious people feel, but I honestly like in exploring this realized that this feeling is possible to feel and you can attribute it to whatever higher power you want to, you can attribute it to the universe, to universal energy, to God, to Allah, wherever you are most comfortable feeling this feeling emanating from. And for me, it, it's not attributed to any higher power. Um, but I am able to access that feeling of just being loved. And I think that that feeling for like the, the religion that you're describing, Christina, I feel like that's a bigger part of it. Yeah. Um, people have this faith because it's about love. It's about feeling cared for and about just feeling accepted and part of and, and I think that's true for, I think it's true for evangelicals, but they mix it with this also eternal damnation idea. Yeah, they, yeah, they, 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 they mix it with these other things, with this judgment, like this thing that's actually yeah, the opposite, exactly. the, this thing that's the opposite of it in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, exactly. It's a hundred percent opposite. Like, 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 like genuinely. And so, um, uh. I'm going to, I'm downloading this now. I'm going to like send it to you. There was an EP. It's no longer available to purchase. This is why I have, well, A, I wouldn't care about pirating it anyway, but B, but there was a thing for um, Hurricane. Um, actually, it might not even been, I don't remember if it was Hurricane Katrina or not, but they did a, um, uh, Joseph Arthur did um, like a EP where he did um, versions of In the Sun with um, Michael Stipe and- um, Oh, I have, and, it's and on YouTube. Martin. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I've well, seen I, it. I I have I have it I have it purchased. So I, there are multi there are multiple, yeah, multiple versions. versions. Yes, there are with Michael Stipe doing yes. in the sun. Like I didn't realize there was a connection. I discovered Joseph Arthur because a friend of mine was in NA with him. Oh in wow, New York City. So um, I discovered and he's him. Like you should check out this guy. He he's been playing shows here locally, and he just put out an album. <laughs> I discovered him, I think, because I think because in the sun or something like that was featured on Dawson's Creek. I'm almost uh, 90 percent Also, positive. that song was in the movie Saved. If yep. you've ever seen Saved, which, which is a great is a movie, great, a great kind of farce about religion. Version of Saved. <laughs> wow. Oh, Saved is yes, no, Saved is so good. Uh, yeah. uh, Jenna Malone deserved a better that. career. Let me let me add Truly. Saved to our show notes before I forget. But no, but Jenna Malone really she like. Also, she can we just talk about her. the Calkin boys briefly? Yeah, I love them so much, and I'm so happy for Kieran. Like that, yeah. I, I like honestly. And I, um, I mean, I grew up with the. I mean, like Macaulay Calkin and I are near the same age, so like, yeah. Crushing on well, Macaulay, Macaulay yes. Calkin, Jonathan Brandis, like yes. Uh, these are my uh, these are my these are my boy crushes. Yeah, Devin Sawa. Um, uh, yeah. I never liked Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I always thought I never liked I honestly him. Liked, I liked, you know who I liked instead was his younger brother. 
Oh, Tara Noah Smith. Really tall and gothy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Tara Noah yep. Smith. I, I I know all their names because of course I do because I was like you know <laughs> I, I I was an elementary school girl so, um, in the nineties. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about that yeah. I want to share with you guys is that you know I grew up um, in the church actually as well uh, because my mom uh, I mean to this day is still very involved with the United Church of Christ, which is like the good church, right? The one that, you know, ordained women and queer people early. And, you know... um, Episcopals represent. That's where I'm from. So I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Episcopals are like the the Catholic light version of the United Church of Christ, like the good version, you know? Right, right. The UCC is as as left as you get before you hit the Unitarian Universalists. (laughs) 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 Who are like, anybody, anyone, you know, this week... Today we read from the Gospel of Steinbeck... Exactly. Yes. Um, (laughs) And so I had the experience of thinking that everybody, like all churches, all Christians were cool with like queer people and everything. And then, yeah. yeah, And then I had a crush on a boy in in high school who turned out like to be, he's like, I'm Christian. So, and he's like, you're gay. And I don't understand the problem. (laughs) Um, But part of of this is that I, but so what's interesting about this is there weren't like a separate set of christian musicians that we listened to that were mainstream Mm -hmm. because that didn't really exist so like when i went to church camp which i did for several years we would listen to like michael w smith oh yeah Um, he he did break through a little bit he and amy grant there were a few of them who kind of like petra remember petra 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 was breaking through back then yeah (laughs) yeah and like i just remember like and it, but it was, I had this experience of this journey. Like, so my connection to Christianity has always very much been about the music. Totally. So much about it. the music. And it, it has been, it had been, it has been a very interesting journey as I've continued to grow older of like finding out that every single like Christian artist that you liked, like, does not like you. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but like, but also still deeply, deeply identified. Like the music is so good. Many like, times I it love is. the music. Well, that's the it thing. Was, like yeah. worship bands. Catchy. Well, some, well, it depends. Cause like, um, like there was like like mute math like there was like this whole thing of like like rock like christian type rock bands like swiftfoot i think is an amazing band and and some of these bands like uh then like later like had changed you know their their thing to be like oh we're more secular or whatnot but like they started out as christian they went where the money was well they well, no christian no. rock had a huge like that was profitable for yes. people like no, striper no. is a good example totally like, totally following the money with the, yeah man they were following their own metal no, god uh, like, no 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 what, what i mean is actually more the inverse where these were bands that like got a following and then started to actually be played on mainstream where mainstream didn't realize that they were christian and then they uh-huh. decided they wanted to promote themselves more as as secular like Evan I, yeah Evan and i guess what i want to call out is just that like like worship music is yes. some of my favorite music out there. Oh, I agree. Like the I, chord, I pro- to a lot the chord of progressions. Yes. Yeah, and the and the experience of the other part is it's the experience of singing with other people. It's very manipulative. That is just so. Well, if you want to convince someone they're having a spiritual experience, sit them through three well, or four is... like praise songs with a with a live band and then hit them with this like do you feel what you're feeling right now is because of our lord and savior jesus and they'll buy right. it because it puts and what you i want to say about mindset. that is right and see what's weird is i actually it's so interesting they are having a spiritual experience but it's not about any like particularly right. particular god or anything it's about the 
incredible biological things that happen when you are in sync with other people and you're singing with them. Yes. Yeah. Like that's that, a lot like, of, a that, lot of, yeah. hi, a lot of human development is like, there's, there are theories that um, tribal gatherings that involve music, uh, that music was with a acapella major music. part. Same. Yeah. There's a major, yeah. there's a major component of human development that is based around the social construction of sharing music. Oh um, yeah, without a doubt. And, and, and participating, not just sitting and listening, but no. participating. Yeah, well, but no, participating, I, I, yeah. Yes. No, I was just going to say, like, yeah. I, I grew up in an Episcopal church, so our music, like, I, I would listen to them to worship music, my, my mom, car, my, my um, aunt, and whatnot, but it wasn't like we had that in church because Catholic light. Um, uh, but like, um, it, it definitely is manipulative, but then you, but I think the reason you have like, like Hillsong and like these like worship bands and things like that, you're not wrong that it can, it can be manipulative and whatnot. But there's also, I, I don't think we can discount the fact that for thousands and thousands of years, like that's how people have been able to connect yeah. and share themselves. No, there's a it. real power to it. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't like it when it's used, when it's, when it's attributed to something that isn't responsible for it. Um, like the music is powerful. The connection of sharing music is powerful. And I think if we say that, it's awesome. I think that's 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 that kind of God loves feeling that I'm talking about. Yeah. That feeling you get from sharing that experience with other people. That is powerful in and of itself and doesn't yes. need to be. A tr who who else here memorized DC talk lyrics at the same time they memorize Vanilla Ice lyrics? Oh, what if you memorized I mean, neither? I memorized not. the <laughs> I memorized the same type of thing, but I wasn't I was not a DC I was not a rock kid, except like I was R and B rock. I was Michael Jackson rock, you know. Right. Um but I memorized I memorized all of the Michael W. Smith songs, like sure. lyrics. Right along memorizing like Beat It and or, and New Kids on the Block lyrics. Like yeah. absolutely, I'm with you. DC, DC Talk was the one group that had a black person in Christian rock at that time. Um, and I thought they must be legit because I'm they had they had I love how this book this this thing happened to you, right? Through all <laughs> of like the and I don't know, I don't know what your parents like uh views on race are um but it's fascinating okay it's separatist okay so the fact that you are such a uh that like even at that age you're like dc talk and they have a black person <laughs> they must be legit like it is a rebellion about, of sorts <laughs> well that's fine but like it, it, there's a lot of people that don't do the rebellion right and it's fascinating that you did that you found your way through that that way because there's still guys, so many people yeah have you guys ever heard of cornerstone uh mm. yeah i was in i was in uh yeah yep mm -hmm. it's a yeah. christian a christian rock hi festival. danny glamour <laughs> yeah um it's a oh, christian, oh, christian yeah. rock danny glamour festival. literally possibly just shut the radio off <laughs> he, but he was deep he was deep in that in that world yeah um it was he, the first time i heard christian death metal uh, was at Cornerstone, and that was Even actually Christians die. It was a it was a turning point for me, where I was like, when I realized that Christians in this industry, in this particular industry, were basically stealing music that was popular elsewhere, and then attributing, like, forcing God into it, 
Yep. And it made me realize maybe I would just like the pure version of this music. But is it stealing and forcing? That seems uh, uh, ungenerous. I. What about just being, like, about being a link in the chain and just feeling like I want to do that, but I have to do it or I want to do it in this context? Okay, we aspire different motives to it because in my mind, it's very, um, very much a decision. Um, and there was money at that point in selling Christian music. There was like a captive audience of people. One Cornerstone had a label. It, who would only buy things because it was Christian and you could sell yeah. them anything yeah, as I, long it, as it was Christian. There are certain like, people that I think to Brett's or to Jeff's point, there are certain people who had that mindset that you're talking about, Brett. A lot of the actual individuals and artists did not. It yeah. was, th- this is, this is what they were told they had to do. Yes. And, and in both, fact, I mean, both existed. Yeah. And in fact, many of them, like I think had kind of like a, a it's like, okay, who's going to sign us? Like, what can we do? And then you would see like bands like like break beyond that sort of thing, right? To be like, no, this isn't what we care about. Like, you know, do other things. And then you, you do have artists like to this day, like like, like Sufjan Stevens, who is a very like like faith based like musician and like his early stuff, especially was very like the only way you can read the text, like very explicit about like the, the, the Christianity behind it. But I mean, he's gay and he's one of like, best indie musicians out there like there's there are layers of things but if anything like it hurt his probably career to be so to this day like he still has to kind of fight like the whole like oh i'm a christian artist thing and he's like i don't want to talk about my faith when i'm talking about my album just because it is an inherent part of who i am but it is not you know part and parcel for everything else but you know the to your point like when the labels realized that there was a way you could make a shitload of money off these captive audiences they're going to make the money but the bands don't. And some of those people choice. were Christian labels too, who yes. like were absolutely doing the same sort of prosperity gospel. Oh, of course, even worse. Those big church well, leaders were doing as well. Right? Arguably, I worse. have an edge case. All, all yeah. I have an edge case, Brett. You're going to love this. So, what? Well, first of all, I want to say that um, Danny Glamour, friend of the show, uh, may or may not um, have a partner, also a dear friend, who drove Striper around on a golf course uh, <laughs> on a golf cart at the um, Cornerstone Music Festival. May or may not have that experience in his home. Um, and the other weird thing is that I, I, for just a minute, I was a drummer in a band on the Cornerstone label that always played the Cornerstone Festival. Okay. At, because Cornerstone was organized by this organization called Jesus People USA. <laughs> and and Jesus People USA was like the Black Panthers of, of evangelical Christians. They had a label. They had a magazine. They had, right? Like they fed, they fed kids, like the whole thing. But um all of my friends that were there left. I mean, they left in in a, in a pretty serious wave. But the, one of the things that helped me to be uh, uh, in this band was that their albums had all been recorded by Steve Albini. And I thought, wow. I mean, I love the people in this band, but I was like, if I'm in this band and we make a record, I get to record with Steve Albini. So there's a bizarre <laughs> like clashing of... And Steve that Albini's crazy. partner... That Steve is Albini's the weirdest partner, sentence I've heard in a while. <laughs> Steve Albini's partner then went on to make a sort of expose documentary on Jesus People USA. It's just like, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in, but I also want to mention that, Christina, you're you're up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. For real. <laughs> for real. Um, no, so... Um, I think probably the most pressing thing that has had an impact on my mental health corner since we talked last, because there hasn't been a lot of changes. Um, I did try my uh, husband's um, pro vigil uh, 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 like for two days this week. And I think that I'm going to talk to my shrink um, like next week, I think, or two weeks. Um, I'm going to bring it up to him. But 
um, that might be like a, a good combo for things. Um, but uh, my, my week was pretty good in terms of trying to get my ADHD stuff on track. I had a lot of work meetings. Uh, which seems to be a similar theme across all of us. But the thing that, and it's embarrassing for me to say this, but it's not because fuck it is, this is, this is our show. This had like the biggest impact on my mental health genuinely is that I can finally use my Twitter account again after two and a half months. (laughs) Oh my God. And I can't get into the details of how, but basically favors were asked. I'm very grateful for some people who have a way to reach humans there because again, like I didn't do anything wrong. Um, This has been the most frustrating part about this is that, most people in my life have taken the default assumption that I had to have done something wrong for me to be locked out of the account the way that I was locked out of it. And I didn't, I literally didn't do anything wrong. Um, I, it was, it was some sort of like a tech snafu thing. And then because this is a company that is run by a megalomaniac that has very few staffers, you know, in place, like you can't reach a human being. And, and it was just like a problem. Um, and the thing is, is that I am probably going to spend not even probably, I am going to spend less time on Twitter. I'd already been spending less time there even before um, I was locked out of my account on November 7th. But like, I want to do it on my own terms. It, you know, having your account show that you um, might have violated rules, which leads people to think, oh, well, what the fuck did she say? Which never in 16 years of using the service have I ever even received like a warning, you know, let alone violated rule. Like, I, I don't do that. You know what I mean? Um, I, and so, uh, then that gets people thinking shit that isn't true. And then, you know, you have, um, people DMing you because they don't know, you know, uh, what's happening and, and you can see the DMs, but you can't respond to them and you don't have any other way of contacting them, which is awkward. And then you have people who are, you know, like, again, like sending me, you know, messages other ways. It, it was making it very difficult for me to do parts of my job. Um, and also again, like, uh, it's a cautionary reminder for all of us. I think that like we don't control these platforms. We don't control these followings and these things can be taken away from us. And I always knew that. And it wasn't like I was unaware of that, but when you experience that, I think it makes you like, at least makes me think doubly hard about, okay, how much do you want to invest on some of these things um, without having any sort of backup plan? And certainly I could have continued my life without ever having a Twitter account again, but I'm incredibly relieved that I have access to it again I'm already more productive, which I know sounds fucked up, but again, like things that I do with my job, because people see me as one of the main contact forces for the company that I work at. And that means that people will at me and things, or they will try to DM me. And then I have no way of responding. Now I can solve people's problems. I can like actually do work. And that's just been like the biggest relief off of my chest because I've had like just this, in addition to the normal anxiety that I feel all the time, I've had like this additional sense of dread and whatnot of like, I genuinely did nothing wrong. I could not reach a human being to get this, you know, rectified. Um, This was like, just like a, a bad situation. And I'm, you know, never changing my display name again, ever. Ever like never like making any you know gonna try to make as most minimal changes to you know the the thing as possible but like fuck um I I it sounds dumb and I'm sure there are plenty of people who in their mind Doesn't are like sound dumb well and I appreciate you saying that because you actually were one of the few people who really understood that Jeff and even commented but how are you doing with this this has to be like a big thing for you because a lot yeah. of people their flippant reaction and I get it um if you don't think it through all of its logical things and how people can use tools differently than you use these tools they can go well it's not the big of a deal you shouldn't be on it in any way and and and, and good riddance and this and that and it's like okay again 
if I make that choice myself and I do it on my own terms, that's sure. one thing. When that decision oh, is made totally. for me and I don't have any way of even having a goodbye message or even telling people, follow yeah. me these places, I can't even pin something, that's completely different. Yeah, um, that, and that's the key right there right. is like people who have left Twitter, more power to them. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're looking out for their own mental health, which I totally appreciate. Yeah, sure. And we could do a whole episode on Twitter and mental health, um, or Facebook and mental health, like social yeah. media and mental health, but to have it, to have a communication platform that you depend on in any way taken away from you yeah. is an inverse effect on mental health. 100%. That has the actual absolute opposite, uh, reaction. No, than totally. Choosing to leave something. Then choosing yeah, to leave. I, I hear you. And and I think, you know, and then for me, like, I mean, and so okay, look, is this tied up an ego? Sure, but but it is what it is. Like I'm aware enough it's to where, like, it's where we all live. Right. Well, I, I, don't, mean, I don't think it is tied up in ego. It's like losing your passport. Well, I was going to say it kind of is that, but I was well, I was gonna say this aspect, like what you've what I've had to kind of realize in some certain regards is like, okay, you know, like a lot of I owe a lot of my quote unquote success to the the personalities and the things I've built up online. And when you lose access to that lever, even when that lever has been weakened over time and even when people leave and whatnot, that's a loss too, that you then have to like go through a lot of like it, me anyway, I have to go through like a lot of like internal things like, well, who am I? Like, do I sure. matter without having, you know, this thing? Like, because, you know, will, will people still want to want to talk to me or reach out to me if I don't have this platform that they see as maybe being more important than it is. Like I might know how mm. unimportant it is and how like my reach is, is not what they think it is, but that gives people a certain sense of who I am. What am I without that? Yeah. And and how do I exist without that? Right? Like, so, and, and, that, and that's the ego part a little bit. And that's okay to have, again, like those conversations. And I've certainly had to we kind of grapple with like the, the waning influence as it were, which is fine. But again, to, to what you were saying, like, uh, uh, Brett, agreeing with me, like, I, you know, do it on your own terms when, when it's taken away from you, it's like, yeah. it is a, a, a negative mental health thing. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a loss of, I mean, it's, it's a loss of, it's a significant and severe loss of control mm -hmm. and also ego. I just, I want to take a moment to reframe that word, which is that it is important to have a healthy ego as a person. You know, yeah. like you need to have a level of self, like self-actualization and self-worth and, and self-understanding. Um, people often think, well, you know, these ideas of like, will I matter or do I make a difference or how do people see me that these are somehow like. I mean, it goes back to all of the bullshit of uh, like, <laughs> you know, like uh the specific of evangelical fundamentalist Christian Christianity, the idea of we need to completely be devoid of the self. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you know, because then you're not a functional human being. So, you know, worrying about those things, understanding who you are, understanding whether you matter. That's why we do things like we do things because we want to matter. We want to be seen. We want and not to, we want to be seen to, so that people so that we know we exist one thing that i think about so much especially as i think about i thought a lot about the experiences of what my i like my identity creation has been as i have sort of pulled those away and thought about them 
is how often we are forced to place our identities in the hands of others. Because so much of what we think about ourselves comes from how other people see us because we don't see ourselves. It's just not a thing that we do regularly, you know? And so, and we are perceived far more, we are perceived by others far more than we perceive ourselves. And so we think about ourselves in the context of what others tell us about ourselves. And I think one of the hardest things to do, and one of the things that I am most impressed of with by people who have figured out how to do it, is mainly because it is a very antithetical to, I think, being a person in the world today, is people with very strong senses of self that don't get rocked by external hmm. things that affect the way others see them. Because it's not, like, in some ways, it's not normal. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, that, I mean, that's how society is built, right? Like, I was going to say, who are these people yeah. you're describing? <laughs> My partner is one of them. It's very weird. But I think mm. he had to go through a, he had to go through a pretty rough uh, separation and divorce for, like, to figure some of that stuff out. But, I mean, we, yeah, like, we don't – our society is, is literally founded on the idea that you should care what other people think about you because that's how you build a community. Right. And there are good things and bad things about that. And the internet has to some degree taken it to an nth degree and we're, we weren't prepared for it. And now we're trying to, we're trying to figure out how do we integrate that? Cause it's not going back in the bottle. Right. Oh God. No, the bottle just gets bigger at least. <laughs> that didn't make any sense, but you get what I'm saying. You totally do. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Even if we put it in the bottle, the bottle just keeps expanding. It's like um, a bag of holding or the TARDIS. Bigger on the inside. Nerd. Yeah. Nerd. Oh, I'm um, nerd. Are we That's officially a, a two-hour podcast? Now? I was just going to say, I, we just... it's, so whoever is coming next, I don't, we don't know yet, but like the next person that comes on and we don't go two hours, it's going to be awkward, but it's not going to be their fault. <laughs> season four. <laughs> their fault. Se- se- season four, year 2024 has been like the year of like the two-hour um, overtired podcast, which honestly does feel like it's kind of two podcasts melded into one, but I kind of dig it. Like and it yeah. t- totally tracks with the fact it that does. we've had a guest intentionally every episode since the the year the season started. Yeah, yeah which yeah. I love. Yeah. yeah, I've loved it too. I, it, I think I think Brian and I both agree that maybe if we're going to do a two hour podcast, we should have an intentional bathroom break, like <laughs> the one hour mark, like <laughs> just five, five well. minutes, five minutes to walk around, <laughs> do your thing. Make like a cup that. of coffee, your head come back straight. Yeah, because I, like I mean, that. definitely two hours half of this episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. two hours um, straight like, with well, ADHD is rough. Well, and I think yeah, one of the things true. that the two hours, the two hour, the the two hour fit does it a little better. For, actually, I think for overtired to some degree is that most of us at different points in the podcast are off busy being ADHD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so we can do that and you don't feel like as previously sometimes i felt like i didn't get to it, it, we didn't get as deep as i wanted to because i was i was off in the mist for 30 minutes right you know on yeah. My own. yeah 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 <laughs> totally totally i get that i get that all right well i well, think we anyone should... who hung to the end we see you yeah we definitely see you. yes we'll call it there <laughs> we love you all and you guys get some sleep. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. The system is going down low.